We've seen all kinds of weather so far today. None of the kinds that we've seen have involved the sun. So do take it easy if you're still traveling around. We'll keep tabs on the roads for you throughout London Live and beyond. We are also going to talk with a member of Team Canada as Canada takes on Team USA in a rivalry series women's hockey game tonight at Budweiser Gardens. And this isn't just any member of Team Canada. I don't think... There is such a thing as any old member of Team Canada. You don't make it to that height without being amazing. Londoner Caitlin Gosling is going to join us on the show. We are also going to talk with, and if if you picture best swimmer of all time in Canada, what do you think? Alex Bauman? Yeah? You think, would he, would he be the guy? Mark Tewksbury? Maybe the, he would be the guy? There could be an up-and-comer. Matthew Lowen. We're going to meet him. He is as decorated as they come at the provincial level in university. We are also going to perhaps get a shot at talking about cannabis in Canada and how the rest of the world is interpreting this. But I think even before we get to any of those topics or anything involving climate change or whether beer before liquor really does make you sicker, We've got to jump in on what is happening with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and what this could actually mean for our country. We have to talk about the resignation of Jody Wilson-Raybould, which took place earlier today. This is big stuff, and this is starting to look really, really bad. Before it looked really bad, now it's really, really bad on the Prime Minister. So in about five minutes, we'll be able to have some reaction from Ottawa because Ottawa Bureau Chief for Global News, Mercedes Stevenson, is having a chance to talk with Tasha Carradine. And we'll play you that interview, and Mercedes Stevenson will get us caught right up to date. But basically, here it is in a nutshell. This actually goes back in time quite a bit, back to when Jody Wilson-Raybould was the Attorney General. And it goes back to a company by the name of SNC-Lavalin out of Quebec. And their dealings with some Libyan companies. And word that they had done some things that eh, maybe gray area in working some deals. And then we had the report that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had gone to then-Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould and had basically said, you know, in this case, let's see, and I wasn't there, so I'm, I'm kind of I'm making this part up. This, not making it up, but this, this is kind of how it's interpreted so far. Let's see if we can keep this away from going to trial in all of this. Let's, let's see if, if we can do what's been done. And a couple of examples were cited in the United States where a company kind of gets fined and pays that fine. Maybe a couple of employees go and everything kind of stays out of the spotlight. Well, welcome to the spotlight. We are into the spotlight because not long after we had Jody Wilson-Raybould, who had been put into such a great position and is so well-respected. You have someone from an indigenous community who is made attorney general. I mean, this, this was big. This was great. And then all of a sudden, there's a shuffle, and she has a new portfolio. And now she has resigned 
from the cabinet of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Now, she's going to stay on. She's from the riding of Vancouver-Granville. She's going to stay on as MP. But the question right now, and I think the Canadian press may have been the first to report this, that she might be leaving the Liberal Party entirely and would serve as an independent. So that's a possibility. So this thing is getting very very messy. And all of this came out of a report from the Globe and Mail. So we we have to cite them because they were the first ones to bring this forward. So what do we do with this? Well, we wait and we watch, but I want to get you the latest on this. So we'll take a quick break and you'll hear from Global News, Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson talking with Tasha Carradine. We'll get all that information and then we'll try and make some sense of how damaging this might be or why exactly it's being handled in this way. This is definitely politics getting in the way. This is politics getting in the way of governing a country. And I don't know how you keep them separate. You just, you can't. But as far as Prime Minister Justin Trudeau goes, there is damage control to be done. And I'm not sure how he's going to go about doing it. So next, Mercedes Stevenson, as we kick off London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. It is probably the biggest thing to hit the Trudeau government. Has nothing to do with carbon taxes, has nothing to do with anything that the government wanted to lay out. This this is different. This is a decision made. This is what was asked of someone, and a lot of the answers we're still trying to get. Let's get you right up to date on the resignation of former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould, From the cabinet of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, she apparently is going to stay on as an MP. We don't know whether or not she's going to stay on as a liberal MP. She could sit as an independent. That's a possibility. But Tasha Carradine is the noon host on Global News Radio 640 in Toronto and had a chance to talk with Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson about the resignation of Jody Wilson-Raybould. Here is Tasha Carradine with Mercedes Stevenson. Your reaction first to her resignation, what are people in Ottawa saying? Well, I mean, I would say people were stunned, but not necessarily surprised, because mm-hmm. there's only one of two ways it was going to go, right? Either she resigns or she speaks out and says this didn't happen. And she went the resignation process, and that's a big problem for Justin Trudeau, because he was out just yesterday saying her presence in cabinet alone speaks to, you know, how well things are going and how good the relationship is. Uh, was he not talking to her? Was he not telling the truth? That's unclear. I don't think communications between uh, the minister, now former minister, and the PMO have been uh, particularly clear uh, over recent days from what I've heard from a number of sources. There was there was not a lot of discussion back and forth. Uh, they were saying that they, they were talking, but it was very, very terse and very tense. And you can see that with the resignation and the fact that she's retained a lawyer to tell her what she can say. Because she's not saying, I'm resigning because I'm a distraction and none of this is true. She's saying, I'm resigning and I've got a lawyer to find out what I can talk about publicly. Um, so this is a story that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Okay. And that I'm wondering if her resignation from cabinet changes what she can or cannot say. Because, uh, you know, she was bound by cabinet secrecy. She was the attorney general. She claimed solicitation client privilege. What happens now that she's not in cabinet? Anything different? Well, I wouldn't want to weigh in on that because I'm not a lawyer. Uh, so I don't know the ins and outs of what she can or can't say. But the fact that she is consulting with 
uh, someone who absolutely would be the ultimate authority on knowing what she could or couldn't say, uh, tells you she's clearly thinking or wanting to speak out about some things, or she wouldn't have mentioned that and wouldn't be pursuing that route. I know some lawyers have questioned whether or not she actually was bound by uh, solicitor-client privilege in this case, because typically it covers discussions surrounding a breach of the law or a crime. But uh, the idea of a client potentially trying to influence their attorney to do something is a very unusual and different situation. And there's been some disagreement in the legal community about exactly what, if any of it, or all of it potentially, would have been covered by that. Okay, let's get to the election implications here. I was touching on some of them before the break, but uh, you're on the ground. Uh, How does this change the game for Justin Trudeau facing that October 2019 election? So it creates a few problems for him. Number one, um, the Liberals' brand was, you know, sunshine is the best disinfectant, or it's not like your father's Liberals. Uh, the allegations of cronyism in the other the other party, the old party, we're not that party. We're the young party of Justin Trudeau. Uh, so they have a political problem because an allegation like that, even though we don't have proof of it, other than PMO says there was discussions and heated debate, but they insist that wasn't pressure, um, it, it has a political sticking ability because of perceptions and stereotypes about the Liberal Party. Then there's the Indigenous file. They have a real problem with that now because you are seeing uh, high-profile Indigenous Canadians taking to Twitter, like Terry T.G., Terry TG is the BC chief for the Assembly of First Nations, uh, which is a very mainstream Indigenous organization, and he is on Twitter blasting the government over this. Uh, you know, Jody Wilson-Raybould's father blasting the government, saying that they are not actually committed to reconciliation. When you look at some of the speeches Jody Wilson-Raybould gave, where it indicates she's not very happy with the effort that's being made, and she gave one speech where she talked about no matter what table you sit around, Uh, And it sure sounds like she's talking about the cabinet table. If you're an Indigenous woman, you're still marginalized. Hmm. Uh, So they're going to have a real problem with that narrative now, the narrative of feminism. If they can disprove all of this and that it never happened, or she comes out and says, no, it's been taken away out of context, that's another story. But without that, they have a few political problems here because of what their brand is, not to mention any scandal. When you're talking about the Prime Minister's office, a massive company that's had corruption charges laid against it, and anything that appears that powerful people in politics tried to help powerful people in business and someone who allegedly um, you know pushed back on that alleged pressure resisted and was punished people don't need to always understand all the ins and outs they hear that and it concerns them and that's why a scandal like this is problematic politically for government it definitely is and for Trudeau I would say in particular now the only other person who would know what was said in the room apart from Jody Wilson-Raybould of course was Justin Trudeau. Take a listen to Senator Leo Hussakos, who I had on just earlier in the program, and what he said could be done potentially to find out what that was. Here's an opportunity to genuinely show their independence and move a motion on the floor compelling the Prime Minister and the former Attorney General under oath to come before the Senate of the whole and shed some light on what is a, a, a terrible situation right now. The, the, the integrity of our judicial system is being called into question. But we need to have consensus. We need to do this in an impartial, nonpartisan uh, basis. Uh, and I think we need to do it for the good of the country. There's many instances as parliamentarians where we have to put aside our partisan political colors and stand up and do right. Uh, do right by Canada and by Canadians. Okay, Mercedes, could Justin Trudeau's independent Senate be his undoing in this thing? 
Well, that all depends. I mean, you know the Justice Committee is actually trying to call senior officials in front of it, and they're going to make that decision tomorrow. They're, liberals have a majority on that committee, so they can either A, refuse to do it, or B, they can agree to it, but then turn around and say that they are not going to allow it to be public. That's what they did in the case of John McCallum when he testified, the former ambassador to China, and MPs were bound by parliamentary privilege, and they couldn't talk about what happened there. But they're going to be under enormous pressure now uh, to reveal what happened or look like they're hiding something. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they'll go along with it, but certainly they'll be getting pressure from the Senate, although there's a majority there now, too, between independents and liberal senators, uh, people appointed by Justin Trudeau or previous liberal governments. So it's not so easy for the opposition. The question is, what do they do now? Uh, Do they try to go to the RCMP, who have said that they are aware of this? Uh, They haven't said whether or not they're looking into it. I just checked back with them this morning, and they said they didn't have anything more to add at this time. Um, The ethics commissioner has opened a probe, but if any police probe starts, the ethics probe stops. Uh, There's a lot of questions here, but the biggest pressure is just going to come from the public outcry of people wanting to know is this true and what happened? Uh, we'll find out. Uh, I, I'm hearing very shortly from the Prime Minister's office there'll be a statement, and he has a media availability, uh, pardon me, availability this afternoon. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how he deals with this um, and how he tries to present it, seeing as yesterday he was saying, well, the fact she's in cabinet speaks for herself, and today she <laughs> has removed herself from cabinet. Yeah, what does or, that say now? Course, well, we don't know. <laughs> Listen, Mercedes, I want to thank you so much. We'll let you go and uh, get ready for that availability. Look forward to hearing what comes out of it. Thank you. Thank you. That is Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson along with Tasha Carradine from Global News Toronto 640. <sighs> Do you think Prime Minister Justin Trudeau shows up for the media availability? That right there is going to say something. You think he actually comes in and answers questions? Or does he come in and try and run what will be a three-ring circus in front of him by saying nothing, answering questions but just using words, but not saying anything? You think he actually goes for that media availability? Boy, if when he was thinking about running for prime minister, if you said to him, hey, at some point, you are going to have to deal with an issue that involves a well-respected Indigenous female who's a member of your cabinet who resigns, a very important Quebec company that is very well-respected in the province of Quebec, and in the province of Quebec people are very passionate about, and we'll also throw in questions about the integrity of the Canadian judicial system. If you had to wrap all of that into one, what do you think? Would the prime minister say, you know, as uh, as important as it is to be the prime minister of Canada, as much as people thought ever since I delivered the eulogy at my father's funeral, I would one day be the head of this country. Yeah, I, I think I'm out. Let's open up the phones. How are you reading this? 519-643-2222. How are you reading this? And what do you believe we either deserve to know or will find out? Because as Mercedes Stevenson just suggested, you could have people involved going before the Senate, but we wouldn't necessarily be able to find out what was said. 519-643-2222. Rick, you are up first. What do you think? 
Well, I hope it all comes out, but the uh, golden boy has finally got caught. You know, I mean, everybody bowed down to him because he's Justin Trudeau. And uh, now that he has uh, got caught, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think is uh, when he's going to be talking today, it's going to be a lot of ah, 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 ah during his interviews. So. Yeah, when he gets into those situations, you're right. The, the demeanor does change, doesn't it? Yeah. But, you know, everybody thinks, oh, boy, this guy's untouchable because he's a Justin Trudeau. Everybody bows down to him. He's a, you know, I think he's just a spoiled brat. But, I mean, uh, he's finally gotten, hopefully got caught. And uh, you know how much I like him. But <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have to see. It makes, uh, it makes uh, radio and then politics interesting. It does. Now, do you yeah. believe, Rick, that the conservatives will be able to make this work as an election tool? Well, if they play it smart, they can. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when when has any politician played it smart? But I mean, I think they can use it to a, their advantage as long as they don't have anything saying, "Well, we're not going to look into it for another eight to ten months." So, but I mean, if they keep on hammering at it, it'll be just like what Paul Martin, you know, whatever happened to him, uh, it, it, it can happen. I think the if they play it smart, if they play it smart. But they also need help from the NDP to do better. Because right now, what are they sitting at the polls? 10%? Mm-hmm. Not yeah, high. So, Not high. So it, it will be interesting. So I'll just keep on listening. All right, Rick. Thanks for the call. <laughs> hey, thank you. Bye. 519-643-2222. Email is mike at 980cfpl.ca. Is this something that you believe we're ever going to find out the full details on? What do you believe we need to know? Does Justin Trudeau show today? Does he... Does he accept that media availability? You would think he would have to. If he doesn't, come on. 519-643-2222. Email mike at 980cfpl.ca. Richard, what do you think about this? Good afternoon, Mike. How are you this afternoon? Quick message right for Maryland. Maryland, I think Tivin, Saskatchewan, is in the southern part of the province, but my wife last night wrote a letter to Premier Scott Moe, and as soon as Scott Moe gets back to me, right, Maryland, I'll let you know exactly where Tivin is. <laughs> now, let's talk about this little scandal that we got going on in Ottawa right now. I want to say, until I know different, I'm going to call Minister, or former Minister now, Jody Rayboard, uh, Jody Wilson Rayboard. I'm going to call her an honorable lady. I'm glad she stepped down, right, as Minister of Veteran Affairs, because there's no way right now that she could do that portfolio justice, right, when she's embroiled, right, in a former scandal, right, from her former portfolio. So good for you, Jody, right, by doing the honorable thing. Hopefully now Veteran Affairs, right, can get a half decent minister, but with this particular government, I won't hold my breath. On one last note, Mike, what I want to see, and nobody has gotten caught, I don't agree with your last caller when he said Mr. Trudeau has finally gotten caught. I want not an ethics investigation. I want a criminal investigation. And the reasoning I say I don't want an ethics investigation, Mike, is because it has no teeth, and no matter what they find out in the end, right, it doesn't go anywhere. At least when you have a criminal investigation, right, and if there is any evidence of alleged wrongdoing, at least then, right, it's up to the prosecution, of course, right, if they wish to proceed with it. So what I want to see is a criminal investigation. But on one last note, Mike, I'm very disappointed that it's happening right now. Do you know why? Why is that? I would have sooner had this in September, a month before the federal election. This would have been a beauty. And one last thing, Mike, on a personal note. If I was staying in your home and I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go to your fridge and sneak something to eat, are you telling me alarm bells would go off?
Alarm bells? While you were saying in my pillow there that your house is nice and quiet, nobody gets up in the middle of the night. No, that's true. That's true. That was that was the sound of my house in the middle of the night, nice and quiet. Well, I'll tell you, Mike, your house is no fun because I like to sneak food in the middle of the night. <laughs> you have a good day, Mike. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> There are leftovers, although it depends. If my son's buddies are over, we're talking about teenage boys, most of them either football players or hockey players. Leftovers don't last long. Nothing lasts long. Those guys would eat the carpet. But in this particular case, Richard brings up the ethics probe and the police probe, and if you missed it, Mercedes Stevenson did address that, saying that there is an ethics probe underway, and that would stop if, in fact, there was a police probe. There isn't one of those underway. But this continues on. I want to get to some emails in just a moment regarding this situation. If you want to weigh in on how you feel this is affecting the Prime Minister, how does this affect your thoughts of him? Not sure where they sat before. Where do they sit now? Is this something that deserves a police investigation? That's difficult for us to say. But What was laid out in the report in the Globe and Mail, which is what everybody is going through, makes it sound as though, yes, political will was trying to assist big business once again. That's that's what it makes it seem like. That's what we have in front of us. But again, it's a situation that involves an important Quebec company, a well-respected indigenous female, and the integrity of the judicial system. How'd you like to have that landing on your table? It's right there in front of the Prime Minister. 519-643-2222. Email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. We'll get to your calls and emails as we continue to discuss this. Later on this hour, we'll talk with Caitlin Gosling of Team Canada, a Londoner, a former Devilette, getting set to play for Team Canada tonight at Budweiser Gardens against Team USA. This is Global News Radio, 980-CFPL. We are going to talk hockey in just a few minutes. want to continue to talk about the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau situation. Has it hit the level of scandal yet? Do we get to use that word? 519-643-2222. I'll run through a couple of the things that Mercedes Stevenson and Tash Carradon were talking about. You heard from them earlier on London Live. But I just want to dip away for a moment because the Ontario Hockey League has announced the suspensions for Will Lahead of the Knights and Cole Timken of the London Knights. Both received five games. Uh, So Cole Timken has served three of the five. This is for, he was knocked down in front, he got hurt, he got up, and he just tossed his stick aside, and it ended up, you know, kind of sliding, bouncing, and striking an official. And so he received five games total for that, and Will Head has been given five games for an altercation and apparently something that was said uh, when he and Saginaw Spirit goaltender Ivan Prosvitov came together on Saturday. So that gets you caught up on those details. We did hear from Mercedes Stevenson, who spoke with Tasha Carradine from Global News Toronto, and they they talked about the resignation of former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould, who had been shuffled in the cabinet to Minister of Veterans Affairs. She's now resigned from that. She's retained... As you heard Jacqueline LaBelle say, she's retained a lawyer, and the lawyer is essentially going to say, here's what you can say publicly, and here's what you can't say publicly. We had, as Mercedes Stevenson pointed out, the Prime Minister talking yesterday that the presence of Jody Wilson-Raybould in Cabinet was important, and she immediately questioned, were they even 
speaking? Were they? What's the communication been like? Because then today she resigns. So what happened there? We know that the prime minister is due to speak publicly, have a, a kind of a media uh, question and answer session later today. I think that was booked already. And so this will be the topic. And it does involve now the resignation of Jody Wilson-Raybould. It involves a a, a Globe and Mail report that came out last week that indicated that instead of something going to trial or instead of the the risk of going to trial based on a few things that happened with a company called SNC-Lavalin in Quebec – There was a suggestion that perhaps there could be a fine, and this was the way that things were done in the United States. And because of that, all of a sudden, we've got issues. And that's political will kind of paying special attention to big business. So that's the beginning of all of this, but things seem to be getting layered and layered and layered. A couple of emails to get to. Your phone calls at 519-643-2222. That's 519-643-2222. Rose says, there's a great big stench with this SNC-Lavalin issue. As time goes on, you can see Prime Minister Justin Trudeau sinking more into the sludge. Oh, that's well written, Rose. I'm honestly not sure if there are any good politicians out there. Nothing will convince me that Trudeau survives another term. I think Jody read the writing on the wall, and there was nowhere for her to go but out. Someone has to have some integrity. Ticks me off. And no, I'm not a conservative or NDP anymore. I am neutral on parties, as I don't like any of them. Also got an email from Alan, and he says uh, this is going to haunt him, meaning Justin Trudeau, even if he can bury it. It will be a huge issue for him come election time. If people don't lose their jobs... He will next year. She just gave him what he deserves. She gave him exactly what he deserves. I respect her for doing this. 519-643-2222. If you want to weigh in, Tom, let's get your thoughts on this. This is going to be fun to watch, Mike. This is is going to be a hoot. Now we're going to see, just watch the CBC try to run interference for him on this. I mean, this (laughs) this is going to, and they will, they will. Like, look what they did to that. When he sexually assaulted that uh, that young lady out in BC, there. Well, they, let's they, leave the word alleged in there and all that kind of stuff. So, well, no, he admitted to it, and she 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 said he did it, and he admitted to it. So uh, he just said they had different memories of it, but he, he didn't he didn't deny that he did it. But anyways, but they did run interference for him, and that's what's that's what's going to happen here. Now the whole thing is too with this, like if this was this was corruption right to the core, because if he. This, this place is so big in, and this is just what I've been hearing, but, but in, in Quebec, this place is so big. If he, if they would have been charged and they would have gone bankrupt, the Liberals' chances in Quebec would have been like zero. So he would have lost, a, he would have lost an election. So what Justin was looking, looking to is October 2019. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to save jobs. He wasn't saving anything. He's trying to save Justin. So, so this, this is, this goes right to the core of everything. It goes to that Gerald Butts, uh, McGinty's and, and Miss Wins. Um, you know, that corrupt guy from, from the Ontario Liberals. And this is, this is great. I, and I can't wait to, this is going to be fun to watch because <clears throat> you want to see some Liberals melt down. We're going to see some Liberals melting down because now we're going to have Doug Ford running Ontario, Andrew Shear running Canada, and it's going to be fun. I can't wait. Just bring it on. Now, do you like the idea of Andrew Shear running Canada? Oh, God. What, what's Justin done? I mean, if, if anybody, even your most ardent liberal listener, can phone up and say one good thing. One good thing. He's been in there for three years. If they can tell me one thing that he's done that's good for Canada, I, I, I mean, 
I can't name one thing. We're all waiting for yeah. sunny days. I'll, I'll, I'll go yeah, I know, yeah. We're well, all yeah, all, that. Well, all the transparency, right? I, I've, I've seen some of his quotes. This, he was going to be the most open, most transparent prime minister in the history of Canada. Yeah, okay. So uh, we'll, we'll see how open and transparent he is today. We'll see if he even goes to that um, press conference. I'll that's bet I'm he doesn't. Yeah, that's and if he doesn't, I will lose a lot of respect for him. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Tom, thanks for the call. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. 519-643-2222. And Tom raises the point about all of this. And this, and there's no divide. This, you know, anybody who decides to get into politics for the reasons of, I'm going to make a change and I'm going to make things better because nobody's been able to do it yet. I admire them for, for thinking that. And I admire the gumption and the passion that everybody has. And then eventually you get in and you realize no, the, the game supersedes any of that. The game supersedes any of that. Because you've got to stay in power in order to get things done. And that becomes your number one role. And that's the problem, in my mind, with our democratic system. The biggest problem is that it's about staying in power. And I don't think we all of a sudden need to say, well, then let's elect politicians for 10 years at a time. That's not the solution. But we've got to find some sort of correction so that we don't have, well, I'll take a year to figure out what's going on, and then I'll think about doing some things, and then, oh, we're two years out. i got to think about votes. i got to think about keeping this job. So I'm going to make all my decisions based on keeping this job. That's what the Ontario Liberals did, and we kept voting them in. And I don't understand that. But that's all they were doing. Everything was about keeping jobs, and it got sickening after a while. Not jobs for Ontarians, jobs for the Ontario Liberals. That was the biggest problem. So now we have what appears to be a, and Tom said it right, if you want to picture this company, I've heard it described as kind of like Bombardier, you know? We're talking big so if you were to levy a hefty fine and if this company were to go to court, there was a chance that this company could be ruined. And because of that, that would have hurt votes in Quebec because everyone in Quebec is very passionate about Quebec. And I love them for it. But it would have hurt votes. And you need Quebec. Five one nine six four three twenty two twenty two. Ted, how are you doing? Well, uh, I don't like people who paint all politicians with the same brush. Politics is a blood sport. It's tough. You're not going to try and make your opponent look good at all at any time. Now, and the, and the people that I hang around with, I have only one person say one good thing about Trudeau. What was that? I haven't heard anything about it, but we're all... Oh, you haven't heard. Oh, I thought, I, thought you, I thought you said you'd heard one person say one good thing, and I was waiting to hear what it was. Not, I haven't heard anything. Now, a younger fellow I know who likes to, likes to smoke marijuana just loves him. Well, I guess that's a good reason to love him. But what we have to remember as people who are older is that Younger people are going to come come along with ideas and replace us, and that's the way it is. It's like it's like the old bull in the, in the pasture. He's going to go out, or, or the deer, or whatever the buck deer that's that's got all the, all his does. He's going to go out one of these days, and somebody else is going to take over. But what I don't like 
about Trudeau's politics is the way he's treated Alberta and the, uh, the, the pipeline issue and uh, not getting anything done because if he gets the pipeline going in Kinder Morgan, you can lose 20 seats in the lower mainland. That yeah, and, kind of stuff. And you know what? That's been another major issue. Now we have a $4.5 billion pipeline that we own, yeah. that we pay for, that we aren't doing anything with, and I don't know if it'll ever go anywhere. It'll collect it's, dust. It's costing us a million dollars, or $100 million a day or something. I don't know. The, the, the money is staggering what it's costing. And then the other thing I don't like about Trudeau is he's got all these people that ran the wind government and ran Ontario into, into debt working for him. And... And what on earth, and this idea of this, this idea of having the same number of men and women in a position, you put the best people in position. Now, I think this woman from, from Vancouver, she's been a, she's a crown prosecutor for a long time. She's got a lot of experience. Oh, yeah. She's, she is well respected. Jody Wilson Raybould. She's not used to being pushed around. And I think somebody made a mistake, either Trudeau or some of his handlers, or somebody made a big mistake, and she didn't take it right. And when she reacted, and he should have never demoted her. He should have never done that. And what I like to read is that letter she wrote, uh, whatever it was, a blog or something, when she was... The resignation? Forced to uh, go to uh, Veterans Affairs. And because of the... Uh, my, what I, I think I know, I think I'm right, is the Justice Minister... The finance minister and the minister of external affairs are the three most important posts next to the prime minister. It's very, they can actually, I think, I mean, in a certain situation, they can pass legislation without using the parliament, if you get a, a quorum in that situation. But I'm not sure about that. But yeah, I'm not sure either. I'd, I'd have to go back to my uh, political science yeah, books. And, we had uh, the, the, before, before we got rid of the War Measures Act or something, there was, there was, okay. it, was it was pretty uh, uh Dictatorial. Anyway, so, but I'm not, I, we've got to remember that Trudeau is younger and he's got new, new ideas, some ideas we don't like, but not all politicians are bad people. Most of them just want to serve their country, and they really do. And to put themselves out there, it costs a lot of money and a lot of time. Oh, for sure it does, and I have no problem with that. I admire everybody who does it, but when you get in there, there's a game to be played. Yeah, it's a tough game. It's like being in the corners against uh, Jake Muzzin. <laughs> Ted, thanks for the call. <laughs> you don't want Jake Muzzin to catch you going down the ice in any way. All right, we've got to take a quick break. We'll come back with more in just a moment. Hoping to talk with Caitlin Gosling before news. If we can't, don't worry, we will still talk to her at some point during the show. Your calls and emails as we wait to see whether Prime Minister Justin Trudeau does arrive for his media availability. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. All right, Caitlin Gosling is going to join us next hour. They're doing a warm down. It's almost nap time, I think. Hockey players always nap around now for games in the evening. So we'll catch Caitlin before that, but we'll catch her next hour on London Live. Uh, get back to the phones in just a moment. If you're on hold, please stay on hold. We've been talking about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. We've been talking about the situation that exists after the resignation of former Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould. And all of what we really don't know a lot about with regard to the SNC Lavalin affair. 519-643-2222 if you want to weigh in. The other big piece of news that's just come in, and this shouldn't be a shocker, uh, Joaquin Guzman, better known as El Chapo, has been found guilty on 10 charges and now faces 
maximum security, basically, for the rest of his life. Complex might have the best tweet on this, saying this trial had everything. A diamond-encrusted pistol, a half-million pound of drugs, uh, cocaine, uh, or half a million pounds of drugs, uh, cocaine hidden in jalapeno cans, and presidential bribes. It's not only Canada that has uh, things going on that can be termed scandalous. I'm not sure where it's scandal yet, but we've definitely lost a good person in government. That we know. Jody Wilson-Raybould will stay on in government, but to go from attorney general that, as Ted termed it, one of the top positions outside of prime minister, to a different portfolio, it didn't matter what it was, it was different, it was not attorney general, to now perhaps serving... As an MP, and perhaps not even under the Liberals anymore, just as an independent. That may be where Jody Wilson-Raybould is going. She has retained counsel. She's got a lawyer letting her know what she can and can't say in all of this. We got an email from Dan, and Dan says, I think the saddest part about this story is that the Liberals will be able to cover up the messiest details unless someone outside the government wants to talk. And I'm looking at you, SNC-Lavalin, but I think the chances of that are about as good as sunny skies and 31 degrees in London, Ontario, tomorrow. Thanks, Dan. 519-643-2222. Last word on this goes to Marilyn. Marilyn? Oh, thank you very much, and thank you, Richard. Thank your wife. And um, I'd like to know just where Grandma's buried. And it's out there in uh, Tyvon or Tivon, Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. And Anyways, Richard's going to find out exactly where that might be. Well, look, at, um, uh, to tell a little story, when my husband's father uh, was a little boy, six years old, he set the barn on fire, and of course it burnt right down. But because he got told the truth, he never was whipped for it. So I think that the truth and all, you know, it's, it's better to tell the truth. And I hope Trudeau, Mr. Trudeau, tells the truth. That's it's very simple, only thing to do. What it's if, simple. Marilyn, the truth is something that he feels may hurt him? What if, what if it's a partial well, if truth? Well, it hurts and it hurts him. And if it hurts the party, it hurts the party. Damn it all. I mean, I have always had to tell the truth. And I, I tell the truth even today that when I'm found out, if somebody comes to me and says to me, Marilyn, uh, you called me an egg. And I said, yes, well, you are an egg. Do something about it. <laughs> Marilyn, that's why you need to be prime minister. Thank you for the call. Thank you, dear. Bye-bye. You have my vote. I think you'd have a lot of other votes, too. <sighs> well, we'll keep bringing you the details that come out of this story. Our Ottawa Bureau Chief Mercedes Stevenson keeping a very close eye on this, of course. And again, media availability is slated for about 4.30 our time, 3.30 in Manitoba, where I believe the Prime Minister is right now. We'll let you know what's coming up in Hour 2 when we return. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Next hour, I want to get into a nationwide experiment that is wrapped up in Finland. What did they do? Well, they looked at increased employment among those who were in a two-year trial based on social insurance. So what they did was they selected 2,000 unemployed people between the age of 25 and 50 
and they gave them tax-free incomes of essentially $636 a month, no questions asked. And then they went to see where everybody was after two years. We'll have details on that. We are also going to be talking with Caitlin Gosling, Team Canada, Londoner, former Devilette. She and Brittany Howard of St. Thomas are part of Team Canada tonight as they get set to play Team USA in the first game of the rivalry series at Budweiser Gardens. We may be able to find the next Canadian Mark Tewksbury or Alex Bauman. Maybe Victor Davis, great Canadian swimmers, all of them, may be able to find him. And we'll see what other trouble we can get into. How about that? Next up, news with Jacqueline LaBelle. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Quick word on what has been happening in Finland. They did this nationwide experiment. Yesterday we were talking about wages, right about now, because of what will come today in terms of discussion at City Hall regarding a group of city workers, 283 of them, and how they're not going to see their income increase to $15 an hour. Although we heard yesterday from Ward 2 Councillor Sean Lewis that some of them are over $14 an hour. But the question became, and we were able to speak with Stephen Holland of CUPE, about a appropriate wage for everybody. And that's essentially what happened here. We had Finland running a nationwide experiment, a two-year trial, and essentially what they did was they gave what would be considered a living wage. It was run by the Social Insurance Institution of Finland. So they gave what they felt was a living wage. And the idea was that a universal basic income would have people starting new businesses. They knew that they would always have an income coming in, so even if the business didn't do well, that would be okay because it wouldn't be like they were trying to find food to eat. They would have that basic income. So what did they find? Well, among those participating in the two-year trial, there was no increased employment. So you had people that just said, yeah, this is great. I got this... uh, There's money here. I've been living off it. Do you have a job? Hmm, a little bit, here and there, sometimes, but not a permanent job? No. So it didn't change. So what did it do? Well, according to the people who ran the study, uh, they felt that the general well-being of individuals increased. And what they did was they took... 2,000 people, randomly selected, who were unemployed between the ages of 25 and 58. They got a tax-free income, no questions asked, and the hope was that they would then make use of that. They would take that and run with it. They would take advantage of the time they had, and they would get themselves back into the workforce. Because it wasn't a great amount of money. They didn't. So... That's the end of that experiment. Now, is that something that would happen everywhere? I don't know. It comes down to individuals all the time. I firmly believe that we would always have people who would, if they could, collect an income, however small, and they would keep that and they would not look for work whatsoever. Here's the example. Good friend of mine, postal worker, Years ago, on a day like today, 
It's February, it's cold, there are ice pellets falling, and you've got postal workers out there making deliveries. And at that time, you got Premier Magazine. If you had the top cable subscription, you got this special magazine which had all the movies and stuff like that. And you, you know, you were able to, to kind of get all the bells and whistles. That, that showed a top-end cable package. So he puts that magazine in a mailbox right beside the front door. He also puts in two cell phone bills. Now, he doesn't know whether or not the person inside, that was for both of them, but puts two cell phone bills and this Premier magazine into the mailbox. Just as the guy opens the door, it's afternoon, he's wearing a house coat, and he says, Whew, wouldn't want to have to go outside like you today. We're always going to have that kind of a person. That person has no interest in getting a job. They have whatever it is they need, whether they were his cell phone bills. I don't know what was going on. I don't know whether he was selling pot out the back of his house. I have no idea. But he had no designs on getting a job. We're always going to have those people. We are going to have people who are unemployed right now who, if you do give a handout, are going to get a leg up. And it's difficult to create the dividing line between the two. And that may be what we found here in this study in Finland, where they grabbed two people, gave them a basic income, and hoped that they would work their way back into the workforce. Didn't happen, according to the numbers here. Didn't happen. Let's take a break. Well, actually, no. We don't need to take a break. Let's now get an opportunity to meet somebody who is as fast as they come in a pool right now. We're talking about big-time stuff. Get this. Men's Swimmer of the Year in the province of Ontario in university swimming. Triple individual gold medalist, silver medalist, team gold medalist at the OUA Championships this past weekend. Please welcome to London Live, Matthew Lowen. Matthew, congratulations. Thank you. That is outstanding. Thanks. Now... If we talk about Mark Tewksbury, who's probably a little bit before your time, although he's still a commentator for swimming. If we talk about Michael Phelps, do you feel like either of those guys? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> Hopefully one day, though. But that's the whole thing. I mean, you're showing incredible success here. Triple individual gold medalist at OUAs. Tell us a little bit about what this past weekend was like. Uh, I mean, it was it was amazing. Um it's been a rough season for me uh, so far, and just to have all that hard work pay off. Um, I mean, our whole team did pretty great. A lot of people stepped up, and uh, I think overall we're just really happy with our performances over the weekend. You mentioned the year has been a little tough. Is that from a, a performance standpoint, from things just not going your way? Um, in, uh, I've been injured all year, so that's kind of been a factor in my training. Um, and just the past couple weeks have been uh, a lot of hard training and just to know that that all paid off was was amazing man when a swimmer gets an injury because i can't imagine when you're swimming there isn't a muscle that is activated in your body you know if if you're a runner i think some muscles get the time off or certainly if uh, you know you're, you're in a uh, you know a three-legged race not every muscle is going hard in swimming must be what kind of injury did you get through uh, it was a back injury. Um, yeah, it's just pretty hard with uh, swimming. It's 
you're pretty much using your whole body in every motion you can think of. So there's not much that doesn't get sore. You know, everybody gets injury every once in a while. So, well, to get to just the university level, and then to get to OUAs, which is provincial championships, you've got to be really good. Have you ever had a weekend like this at any meet where at the end of it you keep stepping up to the top of the podium and receiving gold medals? No, this is this is by far the best weekend I've had, and I'm just hoping that it continues like this uh, for the rest of the year and then uh, my final season in university next year. Triple individual gold medalist Matthew Lowen with us on London Live. So what do you think it was this weekend? Was it, you know, did you get up in the morning feeling a, an extra little bit of zing in your step? What was it? Yeah, definitely that. And just, you know, uh, it was a great team behind me uh, helping me keep, uh, you know, going. And just every race, everything seemed to work out perfectly. Sometimes when you go through an injury and you come out the other side, you will feel so much better that all of a sudden your perspective changes a little bit. Did it, looking back, as bad as the injury was to get through, did that help? Yeah, definitely. Just to be able to keep mo- motivated all season. And, um, of course, with the injury comes, you know, the questions of should I just rest for a while? But um, knowing that it all paid off was just amazing. We are talking right now with Matthew Lowen, Western Mustang swimmer, men's swimmer of the year, triple individual gold medalist, and team gold medalist at the OUA championships. Won a silver medal as well. So obviously nationals are next. In swimming, how do you go from where you are in university to even bigger stages? Um, well, we have we have our university nationals coming up, uh, U-Sports next week, so that'll be a big um big change there's a lot of different um competitors out there from out west and even from quebec um and then from there i have trials in april for university games and world championship team now that's not bad the uh have you have you been through those before um i've been to trials i've i've never made a national team but i'm hoping this year with these performances it might be a little different is it a time that you're going after when you go, or is it up against other competition? Um, so it's a little bit of both. You have to meet a certain time to be able to qualify for the teams, but you also have to win the event. Okay. Well, we want to congratulate you on everything you have been able to do so far and look forward to following how the career goes. Back feel good? Yeah, a lot better now. And when do nationals come up? Um, so nationals are, are next week, uh, Thursday to Saturday, they're out at UBC and then we have, uh, trials in April. Nice trip to Vancouver where I don't think it was freezing rain today. Nope. I don't think it's too bad there. I think they got a little bit of snow, but it's a lot better. Maybe some outdoor pool. You never know. Yep. Maybe it could happen. Matthew, thanks so much for the time. And again, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's Matthew Lowen, Western Mustang swimmer, men's swimmer of the year. Always love highlighting amazing performances. Triple individual gold medalist, a silver medalist, and also won team gold at the OUA championships. We will take a break and return with more in just a moment. There's another study that has come out saying they've tested that beer before liquor, never sicker. And then I don't even know the rest of that. What's the rest of the rhyme? Help me out. Wine before beer, life is 
Fine. No, that doesn't rhyme. What? What's the beer before liquor? Never sicker. Is there even an end to that rhyme? Help me out, Mike at nine eighty cfpl.ca. If you do know, but we'll get to a study that has tested that out, basically by getting young people drunk and waiting for them to wake up the next day and then saying, "Hey, how you feeling?" This is London Live on Global News Radio nine eighty cfpl. Okay, thank you. Thank you for being the best listeners anywhere. Let me just read through to to make sure I've got it right. Okay. Uh, Emails have come in from Mark and one from Matt and another one from Sarah. So thank you for those. Mike at 980cfpl.ca. I'll just use Matt's right here. Beer before liquor, never sicker. Liquor before beer, you're in the clear. And Sarah says, beer before liquor, never sicker, and liquor before beer, never fear. Ah, okay. So it does rhyme. Here's what has been discovered. We had Witten Herdeke University in Germany, and I'm hoping that Herdeke is being said right. Uh, Alan also has, does Alan have the same one? Just got Alan's email here. Uh, Alan says, uh, liquor before beer, you're in the clear. Beer before liquor, never been sicker. Oh, okay. Um, here we go. Germany, Wittenherdeke University, and a study of 90 students who range between the ages of 19 and 40. And they put them in three groups, and they gave them alcoholic drinks in different orders. So here's the way it worked. Group one students were given two and a half pints of beer, and then they had to drink four large glasses of wine. Then you had a second group, and they drank the same amount of alcohol, but they drank the four large glasses of wine first, and then they followed that up with two and a half pints of beer. And then third group of students was given only beer or only wine. So you stuck to the same thing. And a week later, the first two groups switched. So beer before liquor and liquor before beer. Here are the findings. They have been published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. And they show that the order of drinks has no significant effect on the intensity of the hangover. The authors say that the strongest predictors for the severity of a hangover were the perception of how drunk they were the night before and whether or not they got sick. Really? Uh, Here's a quote. Researchers wrote, Although this should rob tactical drinkers of the belief that they can reduce the after-effects of a heavy night out by careful ordering of beverages, our findings suggest that perceived drunkenness and vomiting are useful predictors of misery in the morning after the night before. And they also said one should be mindful of the important benefits of a symptomatic hangover because it is a protective warning sign that will certainly have aided humans over the ages to modify future behavior and, of course, pass on this evolutionary advantage to next generations. Thanks for the tongue-in-cheek stuff, guys. Funny. Yeah, we haven't, because how many people wake up in the morning and say, oh... I will never do that again. Oh, I feel awful. I'm never, ever going to drink like that again. You know what is useful? Mix in a water. That's it. It's like working out. When you work out, mix in some legs. That's important. When you're 
playing hard, uh, mix in a water. It's okay. It helps out. And at the end of the night, drink some water. You know, rehydrate yourself because a hangover is largely caused by the fact that your body's very, very dehydrated. So you want to make sure that you are hydrating yourself. Now, while we're on the topic of food and drink, little other thing has come out. And this one has been published in the JAMA Internal Medicine Journal. Never read it before now. Not even a bit. And they say that if you are to eat ultra-processed foods, you are raising your risk of death. And immediately the question has to be, what the heck is an ultra-processed food? What even is that? Well, here's kind of how this breaks down. You have unprocessed or minimally processed foods, which are your vegetables, your fruits, your nuts, eggs and milk, all those sorts of things. Then you have some processed foods, which could be things that have oil and sugar or herbs added. They're usually packaged. So you've got bread, which comes in a bag, cheese, which comes in a plastic package, canned tuna, which comes in a can, or beans that are in a can. They've been altered, but they haven't been altered to the point that they would be considered bad for you. They're just in a package, which makes it easier to keep them fresh. You know, you leave cheese around out of a package. What's it do? It grows mold. So that's not going to work out. So that's the same thing as bread. Ultra-processed foods. And according to the JAMA Internal Medicine Journal, this is where 50% of our calories come from. 50%. Ultra-processed foods go through multiple processes. Things like milling, molding, extrusion. I don't even know what these things are, but... That's what they're going through. So all kinds of different processes, they are highly manipulated. So we're looking at soft drinks, chips, chocolate, candy, ice cream, breakfast cereals, packaged soups, hot dogs, french fries. If this sounds like your diet, if you're eating a lot of those things regularly, then... Yeah, you're putting yourself at a 14% risk of early death. And you might say, well, that makes perfect sense because you're eating all that bad stuff. Your heart eventually can't take that. You're having heart attacks, right? Well, as the study goes along, yeah, there are some heart issues, but there's also cancer issues that they have a higher incidence of cancer if you are eating like that on a regular basis. So just something to keep in mind. There's So it doesn't matter, beer before liquor, liquor before beer. I couldn't remember the rhyme. That's probably a good thing because the rhyme doesn't matter. Mix in a water. That's the best suggestion. And don't worry because once you have a horrible hangover, it's going to make you not want to drink like that again, and you'll never do that again, and everything will be just fine. And then processed foods, we got to cut down. But here's the biggest, the biggest thing in all of this, and I know that Abe Outsorn, brought this up in a tweet after Canada's new food guide was released. And he had basically talked about the new food guide recommending eat this, eat this, eat this, you know, stay away, eat naturally, stay away from the packaged stuff, all that good stuff. Yeah, okay, well, that's easy, but how easy is it actually to eat that way? It costs more money to eat that way. 
And that's a big problem for a lot of individuals. You walk into the grocery store and it's a lot cheaper to buy two bags of chips for three bucks than it is a head of of lettuce with very little nutritional value for what's a head of lettuce go for now. I think it's about three bucks sometimes. You know, it's it's easier to buy the ultra-processed stuff. And there have been all kinds of documentaries that have looked into how sugar has changed things, how salt has changed things, and the push by companies to get that stuff out there because it makes their products a lot cheaper. I think it's a whole lot easier to make a bag of potato chips than it is to grow a garden of vegetables, right? So I'll find Abe's tweet, because I don't want to paraphrase it, but I'll find Abe's tweet, and I'll have that for you after Jacqueline LaBelle has news. We're still going to hear from Caitlin Gosling, who is part of Team Canada, and will be playing along with St. Thomas native Brittany Howard. Caitlin's from London. They'll be playing tonight in the rivalry series. The London Devilettes have apparently purchased over 1,000 tickets for this particular game. Should be an amazing one. I mean, this brings together the top two female hockey-playing countries in the world, and they're playing head-to-head here in London tonight at Budweiser Gardens. So we'll talk with Caitlin, but I do want to find that tweet from Abe Outsorn. You can reach me at any time, Mike at 980cfpl.ca. Next up, Jacqueline LaBelle with news. This is Global News Radio, 980cfpl. I found Abe Outsorn's tweet, and I knew that it was a great one because it actually takes the theory that I was just talking about, and I was talking about it like, hey, this this must be what it is. Cheaper to buy two bags of chips than it is a head of lettuce. And while that may be true, here's the tweet. Abe Outsorn, who is a great supporter of initiatives that are out to help Everybody who finds themselves in poverty, he said, expressing concern about Canada's food guide because some can't afford to eat that healthy is ass backwards, if you'll excuse the language. This means we have a poverty problem, not that we should stop recommending healthy eating. So don't throw it at the grocery stores. Don't throw it at the Canada's food guide creators. Throw it to the fact that we have a poverty problem, that things do cost more. Now, maybe we throw that at grocery stores. I mean, the cost of meat blows my mind, how it can jump the way it has. And I don't know what factors have gone into it. I know that we have had issues with the number of producers of meat. So we're talking cattle ranchers, sure, in the United States, that have gotten out of actually ranching, that we've seen that. So we've seen a cutback in the supply. We have seen, you know, dating back to mad cow disease, we've, we've had issues with illness, sickness, and that has prompted some of those ranchers to get out. So maybe that's it. But I can't believe the jump in the cost of meat or the idea that we've seen a lot of food prices rise because we've seen gas prices rise. Well, although not every single municipality and every single area in the country is paying what we are around here, where I was driving home Sunday night or early Monday morning, I guess it was, 
and gas along Hamilton Road was 84 cents a liter. And yet you're not seeing the dip at the grocery stores. So, yeah, you can put some blame on that, but they're still selling the food because we still have to eat. Do we need to look at a way to increase incomes so that we can help people to eat healthier? I mean, it's, it's a really strange system that we have ourselves in. As much as we used to sit back and laugh and think, well, look in Russia what they had to do. They'd have to line up, and they'd line up for hours a day. And when they got to the front of that line under a communist system, and I'm not recommending a communist system. Bear with me for a second. When they got to the front of that line, they might be given an old pork chop, or they might be told, sorry, there's nothing left today. Come back and line up tomorrow. You should have lined up earlier. But our system right now is kind of crazy in that we see certain things costing what they do, other things that would be considered these, you know, ultra-processed foods much easier to buy because they are much more affordable. So what do you go after? Do you go after the people setting the prices? Or do you go after the people setting things like wages? And do you look at what we were discussing at the start of this hour? Do you look at doing something like Finland has, which is a pilot project that, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether it's all the way through or halfway through. I've seen both versions, but they've got a two-year trial going, and I think it may be halfway through, and they've done a check on this. And they've seen that the well-being of individuals who are provided with a basic income, that's increased. Everybody seems to be in in better spirits and better shape, but overall, nobody's going out and finding work. So it hasn't affected that in any way. So I don't know. What do you, what do you hit on? Do you hit on the people setting the prices? Do you hit on raising social assistance? Because ultimately, and this, this is like dealing with global warming, and we're going to be talking about global warming actually tomorrow in a way. We'll be talking more about carbon tax. And there's a, a really interesting slant to the implementation of a carbon tax that I want to explore. And so in, in a way, we're, we're looking at trying to reduce the impact of global warming. We're looking at things that you can't measure well enough right now. You can't say that, well, because you're not eating right, you're going to cost us a lot of money when you're 55 because you're going to have heart disease or you're going to have cancer. We can't. That's too far apart. It's like saying, well, if we don't do stuff now, the temperature on Earth is going to rise so much that, you know, in 2030, our world is going to be in a position where conditions are irreversible. 519-643-2222. Go to the phones quickly with Bob. Hey, Bob. Mike, how you doing? Pretty good, thanks. Good. You know, yeah, we don't want to go into socialism because, you know, to feed the people, you people, you know, you don't want a Cortez taking the reins in the States or spilling over here. That's just going to end up in disaster. But, you know, you talk about food shortages, and, of course, poverty is always going to be with us. We're probably never going to get rid of it. It's always been with us. But we can kind of, you know, lighten it up a little bit. Uh, we should actually harvest a lot of these wild, this wildlife that's... Uh, we have an increase in deer population across this whole province. Actually, it's like the explosion of deer. And, uh, you know, we could uh, actually do some culling even around here probably at times. What happens in a cull? I've never explored that. Do you know what they do with it? Is yeah. the meat then used? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you call it and uh, um, you, well, when I lived up north, 
there was a couple situations like that, and it, a lot of it went to the Indian reserves. We give the skins to the to the native people. The women would make uh, you know the, all all their some of their clothing out of it. And they so it wasn't like that. you were slaughtering animals and then okay now we have no. a lower deer population oh, and oh. fewer people are going to run into them with their cars. No, absolutely, and, and you know, uh, and that's what I do because you're right, Mike. The the cost of food, the cost of uh, you know meat is straight through the roof. So to give you an indication. It cost me uh, my, what forty five fifty bucks for a deer license, right? Now, if I lived up in northern Ontario, I could shoot seven deer, but I'd have to buy seven tags. But that's still pretty cheap. I could give that meat away to people who need it, right? Um, I could utilize the skins and all that. But it cost so say it costs you like forty five bucks for the tag, and moose tags a little bit more, maybe I don't know fifty five bucks or something like that. So it costs you uh, probably if you're a good shot, it'll cost you a dollar. A dollar for a bullet, all right? So I can buy, like, a box of, cur- uh, of, of ammunition, and that'll last me, like, two or three years anyways, right? And so you go out, and you spend a day, and you, and you, and you harvest your game. And you put it in your freezer, and you got meat for the year. And you know what it costs you? Literally, all your gas, all, say, uh, probably about 100 bucks. And you've got meat, and, uh, you know, for, for the family forever. Uh, you know, people got to start thinking a little bit that way, maybe, and putting gardens in your backyard if you're if you're uh, struggling with that. It seems like a lost art. People don't spend the time to do that type of thing. I mean, I know my grandparents did. That's all they they used to can and everything all for the winter time. Eh? Yeah, we've lost all of that. I mean, how many yeah. people make jam? How many people yeah. can? It's so much easier. And and you know, I I don't know where this is going because I always like to subscribe to that pendulum theory where sw- things swing back and forth. Now we've got services that will actually go to a fast food restaurant, pick up your food, and bring it to you. Yeah. And I don't know whether that stuff is here to stay. Yeah. I don't know whether we're just hitting the far end of a pendulum and maybe we'll swing back to when we have a greater appreciation of the food and we're actually canning and making jams and preparing for winter and looking to spend less. Because, you know, if you look at three generations ago, it was all about spending less because a lot of them had been through the Depression and they knew what it was like to have nothing. You did everything with everything you had. Now we've got no appreciation for money whatsoever. Boop, there, I just paid for it. Boop, I just paid for something else. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you see, but I don't see what's going to happen here is, because, you know, times are a little tough. Uh, maybe people aren't going to make that, that uh, wage that uh, you know, we've previously seen. And, you know, 30 years ago, a few, 40 years ago, you got into these big corporations. You were there for life. If you showed up every day, you got a gold watch and a pension. So people are going to be forced to probably have to go back and be more self-sufficient. And there's nothing. And now, but, the, you know, then you get into the argument with a lot of people. Well, you, uh, you can't go around killing all the animals. Well, well, it's not. That's not what it's all about. It's all you know. The, the Ministry of Natural Resources, right? They they maintain and they monitor that type of thing. But I can tell you now that in Northern Ontario, there's an absolute explosion. There's way too many deer, and and when you have that, then you have disease, and it's not good for the populations of wildlife, anyways. So you have to call it. You have to ma- manage it. Right, because they're looking. It's it's part of the food chain. They're going out. They're eating their food. When they have too many of them, they don't have enough food, right. and in a way, their price goes up because it's harder for them to live. Yep, it's you got to have a balance there. But like I say, I don't. That's what I don't understand. So if we have people living in poverty finding it hard to maintain a good, healthy diet. I guess a lot of people would have to get around the fact that, well, well I'm going to eat wildlife. Well, okay, some people don't want to entertain that thought. But when you're hungry and you're starving, yeah, you, you, you have to you know, make some concessions. But 
uh, it, it would seem reasonable to me that uh, that they should start thinking that and and feeding some people because uh, I know it works. I've seen it happen. And uh, why they don't utilize what we have there? And uh, we have we have a, a lot of deer here now. I'm not sure if it's uh, getting into the numbers where it's a problem, but it seems to be a lot of people are you know you're seeing them on that side of the road. A lot of people are hitting deer, so it's gonna it's gonna increase over the years. And there's been even in southern Ontario in some of the uh, provincial parks like Rideau, uh, they've had deer call there. Well, we'll we'll yeah. look into that. I'll give a Ministry of Natural Resources official a call, and we'll see what the populations are like here. It's it's an interesting perspective, Bob. We got to go. Thanks so much for the call. All right, take care, Mike. Take care. We will take a quick break. Caitlin Gosling coming up. Yeah, I'd be interested to know that because we have gotten away from that. If you say to somebody, "Oh, I'm gonna have rabbit this weekend," you're going to do what? No, we're not. I'm gonna go out for burgers. It would sound absolutely. Out of this world to say, yeah, we're going to have rabbit. Yet some people who go out and trap or some people who go out and hunt, they would have rabbit, no problem. Yeah, no, no, not doing that. And yet it is a lost art. And if if everything one day rewinds itself 100 or 150 or 200 years, it's the people who know how to prepare rabbit who are going to be the ones whose houses you want to live in. This is London Live. We'll take a quick break. Caitlin Gosling is next, playing for Team Canada tonight. London's own as they take on Team USA at Budweiser Gardens. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Big thank you to Matt, who's going to help us close out our conversation on price of things in the grocery store. He sent along a little something that says, hey, this proves a bag of potatoes is way cheaper than a bag of potato chips. There is a no-name bag of potato chips, salt and vinegar, 200 grams worth, 97 cents. You can get those for. 10-pound bag of farmer's market yellow potatoes, $5.97 each. So how does it work? 50 cents per 100 grams versus 13 cents per 100 grams for the potatoes. 50 cents per 100 grams for the potato chips. So what, it, what does it come down to then? Oh, they're so tasty. Is that what it is? I still think it somehow, and, and i got to be wrong, it somehow costs less to eat less healthy. I've got to be wrong. Because if you made use of potatoes, like many places have, in times when it was tough to find food, that would be cheaper. That would be the cheapest way to go. Tonight, Team Canada takes on Team USA in the rivalry series. It's the first game of three between Canada and the United States. From St. Thomas, Brittany Howard's playing in the game. From London, Caitlin Gosling is playing in the game. Both former London Devilettes. And Caitlin Gosling joins us now. Caitlin, what is it like to be in London? Because Caitlin plays for the Calgary Inferno of the Canadian Women's Hockey League. And, and you're at Budweiser Gardens. And you're decked out in Team Canada gear. And you're about to play Team USA. It's, uh, I guess this, the word is surreal. I mean, uh, being here and being able to represent the country, but also being my hometown is uh, super exciting for me. Okay, take us back, playing Devilettes. Did you ever let yourself think this might be possible? I mean, growing up playing the game, I think there's always a dream, but I know there was a moment when I thought maybe it uh, wasn't possible anymore, so I think it's, uh, it's always uh, good to open up my eyes and and uh, remember how special it is being here. 
Now, you have played in things where you've worn the Canadian logo or you've been to Canadian camps before. Think back about those experiences. What were they like? Um, my first reaction is always like, being nervous, but uh, just being honored to, to be able to play beside the phenomenal players that we have here is uh, very exciting all the time. What was it that made you start wondering if maybe the, the dream wasn't going to come true? Um, I guess I, when I grew up, I, I wasn't uh, playing for Team Ontario or U18s or anything like that. So um, I'm not sure if maybe I was a, a late bloomer. So um, in university, when I got the opportunity to wear it for the youth sports team, it, it was kind of the next step to maybe this is actually possible again. Now, you go up against Team USA. This this is not any kind of run-of-the-mill game. This this is big stuff, and they're going to be ready like you are on the other side. Think about that and, and all the, the games that you've watched between Canada and the U.S. Anything that, that you have yourself ready for? I mean, I guess it's just focusing on me and, and what I do, but I mean, these are the games that we love to play for, so... Just being there and in the moment is going to be um, surreal and exciting. Any moments stand out to you in terms of watching games between Canada and the U.S.? Anything you stayed up for or anything you that stands out to you? Um, I would say all the, the Olympics I watched growing up. Uh, obviously, the the one where we, uh, they tied it up and then won it in overtime was a very exciting one to watch as a fan, so... Kind of neat being around those players now. London's own Caitlin Gosling joining us, getting set for tonight's rivalry series game against Team USA at Budweiser Gardens. The Devilettes have purchased over a thousand tickets. How many friends and family do you think you have going? I think a lot. I mean, I think they would have gone either way, but uh, definitely a bit more than I'm usually uh, used to having in the stands. When you first found out you were going to be playing, who was the first person you called? Uh, my mom, I mean, she's normally with my dad, so I called her and uh, let them know. But I was uh, also really excited to tell my grandma because she doesn't get to, to come to a lot of these, so it's very special for me. What did your mom and dad say? They're always speechless and they get teary-eyed, but that's the usual. <laughs> You've been playing for the Calgary Inferno in the Canadian Women's Hockey League. You guys are, are rolling. What has this year been like playing pro hockey? This is what, year number three? Yeah, year number three for me. I mean, it's definitely excited. Uh, our roster this year is uh, incredible. So just being able to step out on the ice every day with uh, players like that is, uh, is amazing and never take it for granted. So was today's morning skate any different from any other morning skate you've ever had? Um, no, I mean, well, besides it being here and in, in Budweiser, like, it's a, a bit different feeling, but I mean, we go into it with the same mindset to try and accomplish the same goals. Do you remember the last game you played at Budweiser Gardens would have been with the Devilettes? I don't know if I ever played here um, with them. I mean, I might have gone on the ice a few times during the intermission with the Knights, but I think mean, that's about it. And now here you are set to put on the Team Canada sweater, and skate out tonight. Well, enjoy every second of this, and best of luck through everything. Congratulations on where your career's gone so far. Thank you so much. Caitlin Gosling.
from London, playing for Team Canada tonight, along with Brittany Howard, who is from St. Thomas, both former Devilites. So you can just hear in her voice just how special this is going to be. Happens at Budweiser Gardens. Don't forget more hockey tomorrow night. Speaking of rivalries, the London Knights take on the Guelph Storm. There are still tickets for that game. You can get them at 519-681-0800. You can drop by the Knights Armories or go online to LondonKnights.com. We'll be back to close out the show in a moment. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Interesting that Michael DiPietro made his NHL debut last night. This is a little mismanagement by the Vancouver Canucks. He'll get over a 7-2 loss. He'll be fine. He'll probably play in the NHL someday, but this never should have happened. Never should have happened. I'll have a minute with Mike on that throughout the day tomorrow. Coming up, we have news with Jacqueline LaBelle. Tomorrow we're going to be talking carbon tax. We are also going to talk drop bike, and I don't know if you've been listening to Russia Rising. I've got to tell you about that as well, because I have. London Live, brought to you by our good friends at Winmar, your restoration specialists. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL.